Have you ever wondered what it's like to sit in on a magazine editorial meeting? Well, this is your chance. You're listening to Salt Lake Speaks, a monthly podcast where our editors, writers, and staff dig deeper into stories, chat with newsmakers, and talk amongst ourselves about arts, culture, food, music, politics, or whatever else might strike our fancy. After all, we are Utah's biggest fans. Hi, I'm Andrea Peterson, and you are listening to Salt Lake Magazine's own podcast, Salt Lake Speaks. Today's episode of Salt Lake Speaks is brought to you by Spencer's for Steaks and Chops, the original USDA prime steakhouse at Hilton Salt Lake City Center. It's celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. A Salt Lake City staple, Spencer's continues to deliver contemporary and seasonal dishes, hand-cut steaks, fresh seafood, local produce, and cheeses, as well as classically inspired cocktails, local craft beers, and an award-winning wine list that has kept locals coming back for two decades. Check them out today. Joining us today on Salt Lake Speaks is writer and historian Gregory Hinton. Hinton's background lies in the study of the hidden gay history of the West, which is part of the Now West series that is currently taking place at the Utah Museum of Fine Arts as part of the Go West, Art of the American Frontier from the Buffalo Bill Center of the West. Hinton grew up gay in Cody, Wyoming before evacuating, as he would say, to Southern California. Hinton believes many of the urban and urbane LGBTs have deep-seated urban biases and have abandoned the stewarded ship of the American West and the civil struggles of their gay and lesbian country cousins. Hinton, through his writings, films, and art projects, he hopes to continue to illuminate the contributions of the LGBTQ community in the history and culture of the American West. Gregory, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I want to talk about the time that you worked with the Autry National Centers out west at the Autry exhibit, which included shirts from the film Brokeback Mountain. And then speak a little bit about the time that you spent with Harvey Milk's suit, which was on display at another exhibition. The Harvey Milk suit is actually up at the GLBT Historical Society in uh, San Francisco. I spent time with that suit. Uh, and I'll tell you about that. The reason I got involved with this is I was walking through the Autry doing, I was actually researching my dad and Western newspapers at the Autry Library in Los Angeles. And they have a wonderful film gallery and I went through and it's a whole survey. And I noticed that Brokeback Mountain wasn't represented. And I thought that it should be because it was, you know, a critically acclaimed film, 10 million people saw it, it grossed $200 million and it ble I believe it belonged there. So I. And then I went home and I thought, well, what artifact would be the best thing to hang in that gallery? It would say the most. And I thought of the two intertwined shirts from Brokeback Mountain that, uh, for those of who've seen the film, they'll know what I'm talking about, two cowboy shoots, shirts, one inside the other. And I asked my partner, whatever happened to those shirts from Brokeback Mountain? He said, I think they were sold for charity. And I looked them up and they had been sold to a film memorabilia collector for $100,000 and it went to as I say, for charity. And I found a way to contact him and I wrote, it's none of my business, but I think your shirts belong at the, in the Autry Museum. Would you consider it? And he, he emailed me back in two hours. He said, meet me tomorrow. And six months later, the Brokeback shirts were, uh, were on display in the Autry Film Gallery, surrounded by John Wayne, Gary Cooper, you know, Audie Murphy, all of these, you know, Gene Autry himself. And it was a huge deal because, again, it was the, it seemed so fantastic that a Western museum would, would adopt artifacts of gay Western history inside it. And that speaks to that bias that we all have about Western people and Western 
you know, cultural institutions having a bias against gay people when in fact that's, that's not necessarily proven out. So that's kind of how this all got started. And, uh, and as far as the Harvey Milk suit, I, when the Brokeback shirts arrived at the Autry, it was really an enormous media event. The media just jumped on it. We never dreamed that it would. Conan O'Brien made a Brokeback joke on his show and there were interviews and uh, NPR and the LA Times and it was a huge deal and because they were had a proven value of a hundred thousand dollars they were also you know they were expensive well, well anyway they were valuable pieces from a monetary sort of perspective so I go up to San Francisco we went through a a pop-up exhibit on the on the Castro for one of their historical societies and inside this exhibit we were led to a plex case and in it was the suit that Harvey Milk had worn when he was assassinated and it was curated beautifully but it was it was very very graphic and the history of that suit was that it was first it was evidence and then the family couldn't get it back. And it was basically kind of carried around on BART and wherever. I mean, it, it didn't live the rarefied existence of these two movie costumes. And I, I juxtapose that the story of the Harvey Milk suit and the story of the Brokeback shirts as to how do you curate artifacts of love and violence in a community setting like a museum. And both institutions have done it brilliantly, but uh, that's kind of what the story is of, of those two. two. I was going to actually ask you about that. It's interesting that uh, Brokeback, their shirts are, it's a story, it's fictional, it's basically it carries weight in celebrity versus Harvey Milk, which was in reality. Do you find um, that fictional stories that can be written with higher stakes and heightened storylines might seem to draw more impact after the fact than the reality of yeah. it? Oh, I absolutely agree. and. Um, you know, I probably wouldn't be—I wouldn't be sitting here without those Brokeback shirts. Um, so they were vitally important for that reason. And, and actually, now they're traveling the world. They're in Australia for a Heath Ledger exhibition. But it was Matthew Shepard's murder and Brokeback Mountain that made me so uncomfortable to admit that I wanted to go home to Wyoming. And places like Wyoming suffered from that event as well—the uh, Matt's murder and. Uh, and Wyoming is still held to a standard as far as human rights protections on the books that, that they don't have yet. They, I wish that that, that could be resolved, uh, but uh, I, don't, I don't know how, how soon that might be. Ian, you mentioned the, um, it got you thinking about the display of the traumatizedness, you know, the, the bloodied suit or the shirts that came from the movie that were bloodied. You mentioned in an article where you talked about Jacqueline Kennedy remained in her pink suit and there is records of her telling Lady Bird Johnson that she wanted to, them to see what they did to Jack. And you mentioned a, I guess there was a, a homicide display at an LAPD convention and Robert F. Kennedy had stuff there. Right. There was O.J. Simpson and Sharon Tate and most people were okay with it, but Robert Kennedy's family kind of got upset about it and felt like it was a publicity stunt. And we talk about this in news and media. How much do you show of mass killings and murders and, you know, stuff on television? You know, the, does this de desensitize the moment? Is it too much? Is it too traumatic? Does society need to see it? Does it hurt the family? Where do you feel about is there a need for the public to see these traumatic images? I think that they're vital to be seen, but not without warning or a choice to be given to the potential viewer. 
but I think that we need to know everything about history that we possibly can. It's how it's carefully and responsibly it's curated is, is vital. And I don't want us to, to hide some of the horrors that uh, have gone on. I mean, obviously, we needed to see what happened to the Jewish populations in, in the Holocaust. If we didn't have an eyewitness to that event, like if you've ever been to the Holocaust Museum in, in Washington, D.C., you, you, you just don't, you can't imagine it until you see it. And so I think it's vital that we be allowed to see it, but it's, it's got to be done responsibly and um, and appropriately curated, I guess, is how I feel about it. And talking about, you know, these stories, Brokeback Mountain, the murders in Wyoming, Harvey Milk, you know, you're a writer, you're a film producer, and a lot of these epic stories that we tell, whether it's on race, religion, sexuality, are often, they're dramatic, and they often don't end well. There's not like, there's not this beautiful thing at the end. It's that impact of death that usually hits us or prison or something. And I think you quoted as, we have been conditioned to expect unhappy endings. Boy loses boy, girl loses girl, somebody dies. Do you see that trends might be changing? Do you feel that art actually depicting successful outcomes of the LGBTQ movements would harness as much attention as something that is more sad or the loss of love or death? Well, I think that we are seeing Basically, we're seeing, seeing positive depictions of, I call it, the gay community in films and on television now. It's interesting, you know, I, Will and Grace has been reprised to come back again, and I'm watching it, and by my taste, it's really a little dated and misogynist. And here I'm, th this, is, this is a show that makes people laugh, so I'm complaining about that. But uh, I'm, I'm not really, but it's, I, I just think that we're being told stories that are integrating our community more into to families and communities, like Modern Family does that. An actor complained that, that the gay characters on that were, it had them out to a minstrel show, that they were so exaggerated that, you know, we don't, we don't see people that we recognize a lot in those shows. And my comment about that was, straight depictions of gay people in movies often let us down. And that's why I resented that I love Brokeback Mountain, uh, because it, you know, that's kind of where that line came from. But I still think it was a wonderful movie and, you know, but I, I think it's gotten a lot broader and, but who wants to just see a bunch of normal gay people hanging around, you know, it's... Yeah, <laughs> well, and that actually leads We're me... We're going to do gay accountants, that's going to be our movie. Oh, and not that they're not fun, <laughs> but no, I'm joking, but... Well, that actually leads me to my next question. Full disclosure, I'm an actress, a local actress, and I am involved in a play with Utah Repertory Theater, and we are performing Straight, which is written by Scott Elmgreen and Drew Forna Rolla. One of the characters is battling with his sexuality and makes a comment. He says, anyone who still gets a parade is a second-class citizen. In other words, implying that one gets a parade because they are less than, such as there are not men marches, like there are women marches, there are not straight marches, there are gay pride marches. We don't want to necessarily keep hitting home stereotypes of sexuality. Where do you see us moving forward in just, like you mentioned, integrating it as just a normal, everyday, it's just another person down the street? Well, my immediate response Without West, I, I reach out to writers, historians, lecturers, and artists who I would like to showcase as part of, you know, the programming. And I've reached out to artists, very wonderful artists who interpret the American West, who happen to be gay or lesbian, and asking, ask if they would, you know, like, you know, if I could create something out of their work. And they don't want to be identified as a hyphen. They don't want to be a gay artist or a, a woman artist or a 
you know, and, and I, I totally understand that. But the fact is, there's also a time to step up. Out West has been turned down by certain museums because they, they feel that exactly as, as was suggested just now that, uh, you know, we're, we're rarefying something that doesn't need to be. By, by, by singling us out, we're, we're, we're being excluded, not included. But again, if it needs to be right-sized. And right-sized, like some museums have felt like I was queering them, like I'm queering the museum because there's, you know, one gay program or artifact hanging on a wall. Like it just becomes just so, it becomes bigger than the museum. Now the Brokeback shirts were the only artifact that the Autry had on display and people assumed that it was a huge exhibition of stuff. And, and that spoke to the importance by the eloquence of that, that artifact. Uh, so it did a lot of work. The, those shirts did a lot of work for the community, I, I believe. So I guess we have a long way to go before we're all accused of uh, everything being normal and even wanting that. Because the gay community is a tribal community. And David Hockney, the artist, I, when, when asked what he thought about same-sex marriage, marriage equality. He said, I, I worry that we're losing our bohemianism. And it's fun to be an outsider at a point. You know, you meet other outsiders and you conspire with them and you have jokes. And you, I mean, that's what being tribal or family is. So again, I, I just feel like it's, there's a time to step up. And uh, if we can re represent particularly, I mean, my beat is, is museums and historical institutions. If, if we can step up telling more stories um, I think we're doing pretty good. I just want to say thank you for joining us, Gregory. You can find this and other episodes of Salt Lake Speaks at www.saltlakemagazine.com slash podcasts. Again, today's episode of Salt Lake Speaks is brought to you by Spencer's for Steaks and Chops, the original USDA prime steakhouse at Hilton Salt Lake City Center. Come out and help them celebrate their 20th anniversary. I'm Andrea Peterson, and you've been listening to Salt Lake Magazine's own podcast, Salt Lake Speaks. Mm -hmm.